1: You know, like being a thought leader is crippling to people because they think they have to be a leader. I think it's being a thought contributor, right? So the reason I hate when people are like, oh, you have to be a thought leader? I'm like, no, you don't. You have to be a thought contributor. Now, at its worst is what we see on social media every day, which is people pontificate as keyboard warriors about shit they don't know. At best, I think it's all of us being very self-aware and deploying what we know. This portion is like with me, so I think this is when you need to get selfish. Like you need to ask your question. Hiring is guessing, firing is knowing. Like you gotta go fast. That's how you get shit done, that's how you figure stuff out. This is the television, and the television is the radio. The 40s, motherfuckers.
2: My first question is how do I gain the trust with ad agencies or anything if I'm not actually producing the content? I'm more so like the project manager, account manager.
1: By reverse engineering what they value. Mm -hmm. So you may not be able to for some shops. Sure. For other shops, just getting the volume of output at a cost that allows them to make margin Mm -hmm. is what they care about. Sure. I think one of the... Yeah, so I think what you need to do is make sure, this will play for several people in the room, I think one of the biggest mistakes that companies make in agency landscape and SaaS products is wasting time on selling to the unsellable. I'm just fascinated by people's ideology that they want this customer, as if that customer is any more valuable than the other person that pays $6.99 a month. Because they made it emotional. Mm -hmm. To me, the best way to sell something is to be unemotional and go fast. And so there will be many people that don't want to do business with you because of that. And there will be many people that don't give a shit. What you need to do is spend as little time trying to convince and as much time as you can finding the ones that are aligned. Yep. Okay. Make sense? I'll let you sneak one more in because it was quick. Yeah, please. And then we'll get the third. If we're gonna try to go around as many times as we can.
2: Pretty much, I guess. Again, me just now starting out. How do you approach people trying to share your post or leave a comment? You know, and that type of thing. Like, do you approach friends and friends share, or is it you're trying to get your target audience?
1: you know i think there's a lot of different points of view and you know obviously there's a platform being built just down the table to like help scale but you know to me the thing that we'll spend time on when i get to her is like i i don't think all posts are created equal and so to me you have to be agenda driven so for me i think it's more about you joining facebook groups you creating linkedin creative which i think will work for a lot of you and then target with ad spend against agencies and you replying thoughtfully you know, you should map every single CEO that is a creative shop that you wanna do business with, follow her or him on every platform, and then thoughtfully leave a comment of two to three sentences to every post. I genuinely believe depth wins the social game, not width, and I think everyone's buying into width. So for me, I think that's how you do it. Okay. I think you create your best thoughts and put them out, and I think you community manage, AKA leave creative comments on things that you think resonate in your world.
2: Okay, cool.
1: Um, I apologize real quick, I'll give you an example. Just leaving some thoughtful point of view on photography under the creative lead of a 15 person agency in Dallas leads to business development for you because she sees that and she's like, who's this woman, you know? but where everybody fucks up in my opinion is they go for scale not depth so like I see a lot of people buying automation tools to like people's posts just because they think that gets them awareness like a lot of short tactics that are good for vanity metrics for five minutes but terrible for business.
2: Okay. Um, So one thing we've run into in the art industry is people are pretty kind of agey with saying that they're using a certain product or you know they want to keep everything close to the best, and, but we found referrals, word of mouth, and people asking who our other users are to be the fastest sales. Okay. So, kind of.
1: I would turn that into creative and pump the living shit out of that on LinkedIn. You know, what's that?
2: Well, I just, as far as like writing articles. Yep,
1: audio, yep. Video, yep, you know, like, I think, you know, one of the things, so for example, I think, and this is really a fun time to say it, because it's two posts ago, or three now, if you look at my Instagram, there's a cartoon, right? Now, my cartoons, or comics, or whatever you want to call them, have done quite well. Ironically, the one that's posted three posts ago is one of my least performing posts in a long, long time, which is perfect, because it lets me make my point. The answer is yes to everything, which is why no matter what you were gonna say, I was gonna say yes and I was gonna do what I just did because the reality is, is that people consume content differently and so like the reason, the number one goal you have is to eliminate friction for the person you're trying to sell to at scale. LinkedIn, which is something I didn't talk about at all until like 18 months or 12 months ago, the reason it's coming so much out of my mouth right now is it's the first platform since Facebook that has so much organic scale, like you're, you have no brand, you've done nothing, and you can literally write an article about why you think Boca is a good market to invest in, why, why you're somebody good to invest in, why the Boca school, my recommendation, think like a publisher, not like a self, selfish salesperson, why the Boca school system is up and coming, because, you know, whatever it may be, that post for you with no presence on LinkedIn is gonna be seen by way more people than you could ever imagine. There is no platform right now that gives free organic reach with no paid support, even remotely close to Face to LinkedIn. And even the fact that I almost just said Facebook, it was really interesting to me as an insight because it was the only other place in long, like it used to be search on Google. Like if this was a meeting in 1999, I would be yelling at all of you and be like, okay, so there's this new thing called SEO and you have to figure out how to be number one on it. Fuck the yellow pages. Like, you know, it's all been one game of that. Where can you get the most awareness? For the least, LinkedIn. It's really uncomfortable. Now for you, you're so specific that I would actually spend the ad money to target people in the art business. And all of you can do that. The ads are a little more expensive on LinkedIn, but they're stunningly targeted. Um, what I like is you've already figured out what works, some of us don't know yet. Now you turn those testimonials into creative, but find a way to make the testimonial feel less like an infomercial at night. Right. So you have to be. I'll give you a great example. I, I'm going to give you this one. I think this would kill. Get five of them, three of them, and literally radical candor. Email them and be like, "Hey, we're about to do some LinkedIn content, but instead of asking you to do a video for me, testimonial." I'd like to invite you and four of my other high-quality clients to dinner. We're I want to buy you a nice dinner. We're going to have some nice bottles of wine. And we're going to talk about the art industry as a whole. And I'm going to film it and then do chop-ups and then put it on LinkedIn. right? Then, as the you know, hostess, you'll talk about macro. But you'll find ways to integrate things about your business, which inevitably will lead to some great quote. You know, Johnny says, ah oh, fuck, yeah, we used to fuck that up before you. Yeah. Got it? Yeah. So what, what I'm very good at, and what, actually this is very meta, this right now is more for the content than what you're paying our company to be here. Just is, this is not, especially running it through Vayner and all the overhead, not the best use of my time financially. It's I want the questions and the content. If you look at how much of the content I've been putting out last year is from four Ds, this puts me in a good position to create a new idea. The flubbub of LinkedIn and Facebook, Dustin can now quote and that could be a two million viewed because that's an interesting piece of content. Right. right. I looked at him earlier when I said something to you, I can't remember like the depth width thing, you know. So even like literally the advice I'm giving you, I'm living in the meta right now. Create environments. This can lead to by the way, this could lead to why you would do an exhibit at your best friend's gallery about your product, strictly about the subject of the business of art, but you're filming it, boom. Okay. Got it? Yeah. It's really interesting. If I wanna get everybody to think like a publisher. I need to make you think like art magazine, like real estate investment monthly, right? Like Vogue, not like the company you are. Cause then you go from a commercial to quality content that actually people want, and then if I tell you where to put it that's underpriced, that's the story of my life. That's who I am, that's how I got here. Bring value and figure out where it's underpriced so you get the maximum amount of brand equity from. This LinkedIn thing is a dream because it's a business context world, but it's acting like Facebook. And everybody's being successful, it's crazy. I'm getting emails. It reminds me of early, it it, it definitely will work. So that's what I would do plus then you're also doing retention well, yeah. you're buying a nice dinner for, right you're doing you're, like you're winning on so many fronts you know like people don't do a good job with farming they do a good job with hunting more customers more customers but they don't do a good enough job saying thank you to the ones they got
3: um, so as uh, I mentioned before my company is basically in the infancy and- Trying to just you know get my toe in the water. Um, so my first question, I guess, is uh, you know where would you start
1: if you were me? And this is the concept of not wanting to be at the mercy of brokers selling your properties.
3: Selling my property, but also leasing the uh, space. From on. a
1: commercial standpoint. Yeah. Um. But this is strictly on that side of it, right? This is not to raise capital from investors.
3: So basically my plan is to do a couple deals and then raise money.
1: Understood. Um, and you have you have some inventory?
3: Um, yeah, I have about 300,000 square feet of office space. In
1: Boca and Jersey? Yeah. Understood. And so to me, I think you're barking up a really interesting tree and it's something I think a lot about um, because I think it's quite a lucrative space because there's so much margin being made by the brokers and there's no innovation being done by the developers. I started giving you previews of it. Couple things. are Based on that square footage, first you have to reverse engineer who's likely to rent from you. So is this localized or is this at such scale that we're looking for national players?
3: So they're basically... Different kind of buildings. The one is got twenty thousand square foot, you know, floor plans where I have like Geico and big institutional. Where I still would think it's local, at least to Central Jersey. Sure. You know, I go to South Plainfield or towns in the neighboring area, but it's pretty localized. And then Boca is the opposite. I have like sixty small offices from five hundred to you know, maybe uh, 3,000 max, 4,000 max. But, and so they're like local <sighs> business owners. So there's two ways
1: for everybody to go here and it's a good time to put it into play. We've gone down the path of more of content as a publisher. You either want to become the magazine or the guy or gal they put on the front of the magazine. Right, and, and if you think about it, that's what I've done both of, right? For my companies were the magazine, for me, Gary Vee, I'm the one on the cover. You know, you're a reserved dude, but I never think that that's a prerequisite to building a personal brand. My biggest fear is that I build—I believe building personal brand, which I view as not charlatan, but more like having a reputation in 1947, um, I always worry that if I'm the messenger of that advice, that people think that they should do it the way I do it, which is very hyperbola. My energy is pretty over the top. That's my natural energy when I'm, on camera or on stage Um, but I think that um, I think that you have to make a decision of one or the other or both and by the way that goes for both of you as well you know like being a thought leader is crippling to people because they think they have to be a leader I think it's being a thought contributor right so the reason I hate when people like oh you have to be a thought leader I'm like no you don't you have to be a thought contributor. Now, at its worst, is what we see on social media every day, which is people pontificate as keyboard warriors about shit they don't know. At best, I think it's all of us being very self-aware and deploying what we know, right? So you're a young. Is this, is this a business you start as a family business? This is what is this?
3: Yeah, so it started as a family business, and uh, basically, I just spun off on
1: my own. Understood. So like that's was my intuition, given the scale or some other. Unusual reasoning—that's a huge advantage for you. You get to, right? And so you get to lean in and say, "Look, this is, this is—you know, like I think that's an incredible thing to like, like lean into, which is you have something I had at 28, which is at 28 years old, I knew everything about the wine and spirits business because I've been doing it since I was 14, and I was doing it passionately, and I gave up school and social life to be the best at it, and so by the time I was 28, I was fucking." By the time I was 28, I was done, actually. I had achieved what I set out to do at 22. I built one of the largest independent stores, I built a big business for my dad, and I was ready to kind of actually start transitioning into something else, that's why Wine Library TV and all this other stuff started happening, which led to the Gary Vee that we know today. And so, I uh, I think that's an incredible place for you to play. You know, you can, but you have to be self-aware. and. You don't have to build a personal brand. If we're gonna build it through the company's name because you're more comfortable with that, then I think you need to produce a show or content either a running podcast which again, doesn't even have to be you. Preferably you because when you lose the star that's a problem. Yeah. I think it's a has, so I'm a very big, so Boca I'm very interested in. I'll tell you why. I think if you started a podcast called the Boca Small Business Forum you would crush. You st- this is something my t- everybody, I know Nick, and I know you guys have heard this multiple times. The high school party concept, which is if you host it, you have the leverage. So it was always fascinating. Alan Shuttlebauer, big shout out Alan, did it in my high school. Took advantage of his parents not being around, threw the parties, went from a C plus, he was B minus when he first came, but went right to an A popularity because he hosted the party. Again, whether it's you or some other way you do it, if you have the Boca business podcast and you now are inviting other businesses, like like the queen bee that's been there for 54 years is the baker or the real estate agent or whoever, right? The guy who's got the sailing company, like you host the party, within five, six months, you have the podcast that every SMB in Boca is listening to, aspiring to be on, but what it really becomes is a gateway drug to you leasing out your space. You don't have to mention it once and you'll lease it out. Yeah, you, you, you don't have to mention it once. They're just gonna be like, who is that kid? Oh, he owns a lot of, you know. Like, it's so, I always tell people, let your profile do your selling. Put out a lot of value in your content. If people like it, they're gonna click your URL in your Instagram. Let your profile do your selling. So, I think those are the themes that I'm thinking. I love the idea, you guys haven't done the personal brand part yet, the, like the content tree. So like, every, I will push everybody to podcasts like you would not believe, even more than video, because I think video is a bigger mental and infrastructural jump for many. I love podcasts because of the following. You do a podcast, you film the podcast, which gives you video, you get the guest's audience when they're a guest, because they're gonna promote it, bringing you awareness. I'm obsessed.
3: And so, how, how would you come up with content for the
1: Interview. Podcasts? That's the best part. Just I'm good at what I do and do something almost no. If you look at the top 100 podcasts, outside of like shows that are scripted, like serial, the amount of individual humans who have a podcast where they don't interview somebody in the top 500 is almost non existent. It's like me. And I don't, I haven't done enough homework, but like maybe just not a lot. I'm trying to think who does a straight talking, no other guest. I don't know, nonetheless, podcasts are fucking layup. Especially if you go my route and level up and make it broader. Mm -hmm. The Boca business podcast, the first person can be the fucking third generational guy who's 58 who owns the boat company in town that's been crushing for years. And when you email him on LinkedIn or his email and say, hey John, do you wanna be the first guest on the Boca Business Podcast? The answer is yes. Cause John's not being asked by anybody to be on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Got it? And then literally, the content's a piece of cake. So John, tell us about how you got started. So John, what's happening now? How's Boca changed in the last, like you're fucking 40 minutes done before you even started. Asking four questions and going to sleep.
3: Yeah, so what do you think, you know, like about maybe expanding it to like Palm Beach County that we
1: have yep fuck to be frank depending on your ambitions and skill set make it Florida
3: yeah South Florida or something.
1: I'll push you to America I just need to know what your ambitions and capabilities are yeah. does that make sense yeah I love hyper local because I think it creates depth of results in a very narrow place but I love national if you've got the fucking juice go you know yeah then you put the podcast on all the platforms, which is very easy, you can Google it or we can tell you. That's just like record, upload, Spotify, SoundCloud, you know, iTunes, you know, Stitcher. But then, if you record it, and let's get it straight here. For the first eight years of my career, I didn't have a team. So the way I would have done it is like, this. like I would have had my iPhone on the table and recorded it. And then literally posted the raw fucking video on LinkedIn. So like, you know, people, Again, being the messenger of a lot of these of a lot of these things right now scares me because I have a level of notoriety now, leverage, infrastructure, but I got here by doing what I'm telling you to do.
4: So in another life I was a rock and roll DJ. Amazing. My last gig was broadcasting to 20 million listeners a day for XM.
1: That's crazy.
4: So I have some of
1: that That in you. Uh, yeah. That's good. I mean, look, that's as you know, like to me, I hope people don't shy away from that. You should triple down on that. It's the top of the funnel. I do. Like, so good. whether it's pitching, or blogging, sure. or interviews. we do. Good, it. good.
4: Um, which is great. Like, my team calls me Kately, Kately from Lately, like this whole <laughs> thing, right? Okay. So I have a couple of questions, and maybe one is short, so we can go no one later. But yep. one is I do a video of the day that um, in addition to other videoing, this is a minute long, roughly, and it goes to our Facebook profile, mostly exclusively, sometimes elsewhere, it's just me holding my phone and I say, it's a day in the life startup entrepreneur. Love. And I share.
1: Whatever. Yeah. Today I was at VaynerMedia.
4: Yeah, exactly. And it's usually some kind of real deep insight, so one of the things that I love about radio and podcasts is the pulling back the black curtain and giving people like that access to that's where the theater of the mind comes into me. Of course, I've been in a million green rooms. So, I, I like that, and I've that my audience likes that as well. So, we use that video to give people that behind the scenes look of like what it's like and it's, you know, female entrepreneurship is hot. Of, course, kind of course, of course, right? which is great. And so, we sometimes put it on Instagram, once in a while it's super short on Twitter, but I'm thinking about LinkedIn, of course. You
1: have to put it everywhere, you know that, right? Well,
4: the LinkedIn is that we haven't because I'm concerned. You have to put it
1: everywhere, contextually post-produced for everywhere.
4: So let me, yes, and here's why I haven't been on LinkedIn and this is what I want to ask. Because sometimes it's not very investor friendly because sometimes I'm really honest. That's where they all are. No. Just
1: do it. Yeah, that that to me is like cool. First of all, let me give you great advice. Any investor that won't want to invest in you because it's not investor friendly is not somebody you would have won with anyway. It's not your DNA. It's like me thinking about that shit. Got it? Just put it out there. You want to hear something even better? It's going to help you. What it's gonna actually do is keep those investors away, which is gonna save you three to eight bullshit meetings that are gonna cost you time in the future. It's probably gonna make the investor that you actually want come to you instead of you going to her or him. That's easy. You understand? Yes. This this is a big game of wanting no's and that's where everyone's getting confused. Yeah, yeah. Think about what I'm doing. I'm super not friendly to a lot of things too. Patriot fans don't wanna work with me. You know, people that... (laughs) Don't like cursing, so you know. So think, yeah. it really will help you. Okay. you. You're welcome.
5: So first question. Um, so the construction industry is rather behind on when it comes to technology. Um,
1: That's so, your advantage. Yeah. So
5: so how do we sell to the companies and
1: you know similar to what I gave her? The
5: big companies, the related, the Skanska's, the you know.
1: Well, those companies you know, because I know with Related, they're super sophisticated. Oh yeah. So they're not behind. You know, they'll be, like to me, the biggest companies will judge you on merit. Like, what's, what are they using alternatively? Whether there's a direct competitor or not. Do, is there a legacy tech competitor, which everybody deals with? Or, like we did with Resi with Open Table, right? We, we just had a really big exit to American Express, big win. You know, for us, we had to deal with open table. There was a legacy, and that was bad. Restaurants were further along, had infrastructure, um, but we innovated and made a better product. Other things, Buddy Media, right? Back to your world, like, you know, an investment that I did well with, not even, I gave a quote to and got a lot of shares and did extremely well. Mike Lazaro won because it was first, but he got a lot of no's, like Vayner, Vayner got an ungodly amount of nose 2009 to 2014 just because people didn't even believe in social. Now they believe in it but they try to look at it in, they look at it in different ways and our nose come from the way they look at it, not don't believe in it at all. Related and others are sophisticated enough to know if there is technology, is an Excel sheet and a piece of paper better than paying you or are you perfect? I think the long tail is where it gets a little bit more interesting, where there is pushback. Right.
5: Because a lot of you know, like a lot of the people that are in the fields are old school, and they like to do things the old school way. And you know, they don't even if the technology's good, they're just stubborn and don't want to use it.
1: It's the story of human beings. Every industry has that. My dad didn't take credit cards or have a computerized register when I first started. You know, right, you have to have patience for the 28-year-olds to take control, or you need to be smart and not bang your head against the steel pillar to the people that won't say no and find the five, what you, what I'd be looking for, I would do homework on this. If I was your partner, I'd be like, okay, sales plan. Hey, you know, because I'd come in and I don't know anything, I'd be like, hey, can we get somebody to get a list of every family, family-centric, you know, organization that already now has the daughter or son that's under 40 in the business. Give me that list. I'd be like, okay, then right? Then I would look at that list and be like, okay. In order of size or close to us, i am like, all right, let's go to Martini's because Sarah Martini's now in the business, she's 29. We've done the intel, she's worked there, she left, she went to business school, she came back to the family biz, she's there. She inevitably is gonna be more open to this conversation. The end.
4: And they're all
1: named in sons, right? So. right. <laughs> I <laughs> met one and daughters the other day. Yeah. Good company. Oh, good. Yeah, awesome. it was awesome. awesome. Old school dude and three daughters. they fucking. I was like, literally, my first piece of advice to them was like, you need a show on Bravo. <laughs> 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 Fuck the construction company. Um,
5: and you would put content. Uh, like, what kind of content? Uh, I would saving make money. No. Time.
1: Yes, but I would make jokes.
5: Make it comedic and.
1: I have found a lot of success in areas that are more like what I come from. I come from the liquor business. I come from the construction business. We just didn't build things. We sold liquor. Right. It was that. And I think one of the fun things about those real old school businesses is jokes. Like I would probably, i never give this advice but I'm giving it to you. I'd probably get some you know, NYU actors and actresses and literally reenact scenes from the field that are just cliche, that could go viral within the community. It's funny, I got really upset the other day at the airport because somebody was being really rude to an airline employee and just, you know, sometimes things click and I made this video super narrow. I, I go pretty general with my content these days but it was like airline employee stuff so we posted it, we did whatever it did, did fine. I think pretty solid actually for narrow. Yeah, Ran some ads against employees of that world because I can tell you right now, I ran through LAX yesterday and fucking was like put on, like I, I think I could, like it was unbelievable. Like 20 different airline employees were like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> it like penetrated the subculture. So I think could your ha- you're one funny video away from cliche, we could, all of us are picturing the guys in the video now doing some dumb shit on a piece of paper. The wind comes along and takes the pa- like just literally reenact or do it in cartoon form. I think it would work. Facebook will work for you because that community is on that platform.
5: Right. Because I was thinking about maybe possibly putting out like some nostalgic type uh, content where you know it kind of hits to the old timers who think of
1: the construction. I actually think the old timers, I think the old timers are your problem. Yeah. I think you're making content for 28 year old Sally and for the decision makers in comedic form and information form. Save money, same time, they know that. The 32 year old CFO, in all these companies, or accountant, you know, they know. They just don't have the leverage to make the move. You need to, but but they make the call. Like, ultimately, in these cliche examples, you know, Junior, Sons, makes the call. You're not gonna win fucking 63-year-old Sal, ever. Because they're
5: not gonna change.
1: Fuck you. Computer, that's all bullshit. You see these hands? Right, you know, you know. I'm telling you right now, it's advice I've been giving for the last couple years, I get more emails about don't sell to the unsellable and how it changed a business that was doing two million a year for 14 fucking years and now they're doing five because they stopped beating their fucking head against things that aren't gonna happen. It's friction, especially when it goes that old school because we're now into what I call religion. It's an emotional decision. They don't understand it. They got four more years into retirement and I'm not gonna fucking deal with that bullshit. I don't fucking use I barely know how to use my phone. Get out of here. You're gonna fucking make me use this shit?
5: So target the people that are coming. By the time
1: I figure out how to use it, I'll be slow. Right. right? You say it's gonna save me time. No, it's not. I don't fucking understand how to use this shit. I can give you it all because I live it. I see it.
4: And not just the people who are coming in though because we've learned this. is the people who can say, Dad dumbass we have to go because if it's just a kid
1: they're not going to listen to a punk punk kid. Yeah Yeah, and and eight out of ten times they don't even listen to the smart kid. Back to beating your head. Once I found out Sarah's in the business you go and have that meeting and you figure out real quick that Sarah has no say you're out. And Sarah has no say eight out of ten times. So like you're dealing with a very small window. The biggest boys and girls and then family dynamics where you get lucky two out of 10 times. That's it. That's your business. Which is great. If you actually know that and focus on that, you can build a real business.
5: And the main platforms you'd say, Facebook, LinkedIn.
1: Facebook will really work for the community. You might want to start a Facebook group of construction companies. I'm very hot on Facebook groups. That's what Facebook proper is becoming. So starting a group, and maybe again, notice where I'm about to go. Similar to what I gave you, make it the Northeast Construction Consortium. That's the name of it. Here's where we talk about modernizing our industry. See where I'm going? Right. All of a sudden, you're like on a nonprofit, not your own business. And if and then, if you don't spam them with like, oh, the only reason you want to be in this group is to pitch your shit, they're gonna find. I'm telling you right now, they will bring value. They will find you.
5: Because that's what I don't want to do. I don't want to be like a pushy office so
1: pushy. So don't. So don't
2: people that they're doing the projects for are the pushy ones. They're forcing their construction guys to use this app because it's saving them time and therefore saving them time on projects.
5: Right, but I would rather them do that, not be the one that's, you know. So then
2: you give the people, the projects, the real estate people, the developers, the incentive that, hey, this is gonna save you time, force your construction guys to use it.
1: You can definitely sell through that channel. You're welcome.
0: Awesome. Being in a dual sided marketplace, and our audiences are very different in what value props resonate with them. So, in thinking about creating content, is it creating content for each Both. of these yeah. or finding a common no. thread that can. Okay.
1: There's no common thread between Republicans and Democrats right now. And that's what you have in a two way. Drivers of Uber and Uber drivers don't have a common I came thread. From Uber. So, you know.
0: And so, sorry, to get more specific, please. On the business side, um, someone who's like an enterprise account, like an Aramark or a Sedexo, versus a caterer have really different needs and yes. the value props resonate really
1: differently Correct.
0: with them. So if we have, you know, like 10 of them, is it creating different content for each, yes. each level? Yes. And from everything from long form through our ad content is gonna be different.
1: Yes. And the way you target the ads and inevitably where some things over resonate. So for example, your Instagram strategy is gonna resonate much more with the caterers because they themselves are trying to market on that platform, whereas the only place you can get Airmark is on LinkedIn or if you decide to go the route of building the food services number one internal B2B podcast. And again, this is why this is such a home run. You, you start the food services podcast, literally, And you email the Airmark CMO and she's saying yes. It's crazy. I can't, I'm gonna say, this is why I like the high school party analogy because inevitably two out of every three people went to a high school where somebody who wasn't the most popular kid junior year became the person that hosted the party and became a lot more popular. It's just something you can understand. Like, oh my God, that's right. Ricky did that. And that's the same thing as like, you can't get in the door at the number five at some of these conglomerates, but then you email cold on LinkedIn, the number one CEO and their press person or comms person's like, oh yeah, we want him on more podcasts. And then when it's a literal Florida, you know, that's why, I mean, we have a podcast show in the gallery media group called the CMO podcast, just so CMOs keep running through our doors. So I'm eating the food I'm putting down.
0: Yeah, there's like not a space that they're all gathering to have those discussions, so we just create that.
1: You mean in the individual cohorts? Yeah,
0: or you, as a group, even because like event planners and all of that, it's uh, that group. But that's different than exactly. Yeah,
1: do yeah. not mix them. It won't work. It there is, if you look at the dynamics of groups or forums mm-hmm. or communities, like it needs to be specific it's why so many people are confused by what they don't understand what I do with my content where I do garage selling and wine and entrepreneurship they think that that's contradictory to the by some giving as a human it's your strength as a company it's your weakness
6: so I have a family business question my parents own a wholesale cookie company in Mass I showed them your four D's uh, where you were talking to someone in real estate and aside from the swearing, they were like, (laughs) cool, high school party, cool, like, let's go record a softball game or something locally, but we don't have the manpower, blah, blah, blah. We tried e-commerce, and it was great for data on, like, where in the country people liked the cookies, but shipping was a problem because the cookies kept breaking. We get accounts, and they're growing nationally, slowly. Penetration in New England and Northeast. Um... So how do we use social media aside from being hyper-local, which is a given in New England, but like just to get interest for other people elsewhere so they can ask their stores in Florida? So the
1: Sonic Restaurants, yeah. the, which is a client, ironically a Vayner, but even if they weren't, this would, I don't know if you know this, but for years they were only in the Southeast, but they would run commercials in Northeast.
6: Cool,
1: interesting. And so this is the advice I'm giving you. I've always thought that the Sonic move on the, on the QSR level was always the smartest B2B distributor and reselling move. Like you could build up so much demand on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram in Arizona by making, to prove my point, I would make a Diamondbacks cookie, make it up, and then only market it in Arizona to Diamondback fans, and just literally show your, pay. if I was the other son, be like, watch this, and in 100 days, inbound inquiries to carry it.
6: Okay. so like manifested party manifest
1: target Manifest, or- through execution, that's why, that's why, I said something about the secret the other day, like fuck the secret, you know that book, like you you know, and people got really mad. They're like, Gary, manifestation is real. I'm like, because you did something behind it. (laughs) Like I also have a goal. It's called buying the, you know, are you gonna say that buying the New York Jets was a manifestation? No. I yes, I said it, but it was because I was doing things. So yes, manifesting through very tactical. You know, you could even target actual retailers. You guys could thoughtfully sit down and say, okay, in Minnesota. There's this great family gourmet chain of 11 locations. Like, if I was a wine producer, just to give a comp, I would try to get to Cappy's or Martinelli's in Mass. I'd try to get to Haskells in Minnesota. Like, you could get real thoughtful. I mean, you can get so crazy when you actually make the 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 the, uh, cookie. Martinelli's and Cappy's are two big chains in Mass for liquor. You could literally create a cookie called the Cap. Market the fuck out of it, and then just target ads to employees of Cappies, and inevitably they're gonna be like, "Holy shit, there's a fucking cookie called the cap. We have to carry that." I mean, it's it's so scary. What I know, I can do anything with this model. What do you want to happen? It's just reverse engineering. Can
4: you do that for software?
1: Of course. <laughs> Help me out. You have to you have to understand. You know, his is real easy, right? Because you're dealing with. A cookie that, in that, that and you're talking about an environment where the store's ROI is predicated on bringing in new items, kicking out items things of that nature. Where his part him getting into stores, what I just showed you I could do crazy uncomfortably the game that we'd have to play is retention the game where I'd have to really help him is retention because if I looked under the hood, his economics might not even be that attractive in opening an account right. that then kicks out the product after 90 days. About
6: six or seven
1: Now, the good news is, back to that, I, I, I think I could get them 12, and because then I will lose six, and like that's what I would do. I'd be like, all right, we need, in order, what are 12 fucking, you know, like, mom and pops, or one-offs, or six-store units, or da-da-da. Software's tougher, but far more lucrative. That's why they're big businesses. You, you know, you've got to get in. Once you get in, it's hard to get out of bad, even bad software, it takes two, three years, which is why we all love building SaaS businesses. Getting in is tougher, but what you could do is actually reverse engineer every single business and decision maker. You could actually spend, I think people are so worried about talking that they're spending no time on listening. Your ability to, I mean, her ability to literally create all 50 agencies that are within driving distance of her home, because that's just smart. Like why get an account that's far away? And then literally just stalk, AKA do homework on the pain points and, words out of the mouth of, like, I mean, she could possibly, and you know this, especially being an extrovert, like, her business may come from the fact that they're both Maverick fans. She could make a Luka Donich reference in a post. I mean, that works on me. We do that it You know? So, I was you know what?
4: Thinking about, like, how can I rename a part of my product to be, like, back,
1: back you, you know, <laughs> may, may, you know the, thing, the thing there is, that's your business Whereas, like, it's a skew under his world, so it gets a little trickier. But I think the thesis of reverse engineering your target is, again, I don't think, Sanat, maybe Nick, you might have caught this, there was this great moment four or five years ago, my team, me staying out here, which I do once or twice every couple months, where I basically declared I was gonna get popular in hip hop and everybody made fun of me, made fun of me, and then I just did it right in their face. <laughs> you can do it if you've got, if your product's good, then you can do anything. You just have to understand how the internet works. So that's what I would do in that scenario. I'd also really, really, really challenge you to innovate on shipping. Okay. You know, I think one of the things that I've noticed with a lot of food products is that they were half pregnant with their execution on e-comm and it's so imperative for the growth of their business long term that putting some money, and more importantly, heart and head behind actually trying to solve it instead of being like, yeah. And I, family businesses love yeah. to do this. Yeah, they do that a lot. Yes, they do. And I think that that is super important.
6: Okay.
1: Because, much like brokers, retailers take way too much of the action. Yep. You don't want them to have control. And you don't want somebody so to come like along.
6: small business, one account can handle a large percentage of your. Scary.
1: Yeah. Scary. Cool, thank you. Let's keep it going. Let's go free form. Raise your hand. Go ahead.
4: So, back to our earlier conversation. With the auto-generated content, we uh, believe that humans and AI should work in partnership because as you know, marketing is emotion and you buy on emotion.
1: You Couldn't agree emotion.
4: more. So each of the posts, you can edit them and humanize them, right? You can optimize them. So what I saw- And do you guys
1: tell them that that is the best practice?
4: Yes, we do. Good, keep going. So, but we started doing it more because um, one of the things I have is I have all my interns, as soon as someone becomes a customer, or even when they become a lead, they connect with them on LinkedIn for me or follow them on Twitter. And so I actually, A, get Watch. that. And then also I'm watching right? So I could see that they were pushing the button letting the content rip. And if you put garbage in, it's garbage out, right? So, 100%. And I was like, oh, guys, this is just basic one-on-one grammar sometimes. We don't even,
1: we, we believe in it so much, we don't automate anything. Even though we think that that's inefficient, and should, but I've been so passionate to build the religion of context, not automated scale, that if I did it now, now the company would be thoughtful about it. If I did it first, it'd be like everybody else in the world and 99% of your clients, and we just met with Facebook, 99% of what celebrities do. Like, everybody wants automation. Nobody actually wants to build a meaningful relationship. They just want the likes and the sales. I'm aware. I do have a secret. Go ahead. Phenomenal, and I'm sure, like, we we hack with stuff, but, like, the fact that, like, I don't even know that is, like, the punchline, right? You know? Like.
4: Totally. So, okay, so the point is, is that um, I saw them doing this, and then people actually started asking me, too, like, how do we start, how do we optimize it? And so I decided to, so we do um, open office hours every week for, public, anybody can come and for half an hour, we go through features and we talk marketing and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, you know what, once a month, I'm gonna just get on, and I'm gonna auto-generate somebody's blog, they can volunteer, or I can just grab somebody, and I'm gonna go in and optimize each single post.
1: Yep. It shows me the feature. Yep.
4: And so we do it, it's great, everybody's- Yay, yep. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. And so we've been trying to figure out, like, how can we improve that? So right now, this ties to the podcast question, this is a very visual thing, right? And it takes time, you need the screen, um, it's like a, it's my time commitment. I can't really reproduce it. It's hard for me. I can't even really.
1: Well, you can layer services on top of it.
4: Well, so we we have an inkling idea of this. Tell me about this.
1: I think you should tell the world that it would be far more effective for them to pay an extra five thousand dollars a month for post production before they post than just hitting the post. Sanan, who's who's who on our team is using this product? I want to get the insight. Um, May and Nishant. Cool. Let's find Raghav. I want to just hear him talk for a second. Sure. You know, yeah. I th- I think I think you would be stunned if you went with this approach, and I understand why you wouldn't. Hey, I want to. I know. Let me go. Let me give you the pitch. Yeah, hey, we. How much is your product?
4: Starts at fifty, but SAP is a customer.
1: So. Understood. So give me the range. One hundred thirty thousand. A month, or ten thousand a month. 10, cool. Fifty to ten thousand, right? Cool. Hey. You can use this at 100 bucks a month, and we're very proud of the product. If you pay an extra thousand a month, that hundred a month actually works like two thousand instead of the hundred working like thirty. I, I genuinely believe that to be true. How are you using this tool? Well, a
6: couple of ways. We're doing uh, scheduling. That's okay. Uh, scheduling is a big one on LinkedIn, just because like we can't meet. schedule on LinkedIn. Right. Um, we're also like taking it, also allows you to take transcripts from the videos that we have. Yep, and it pulls out quotes. Yep, that will potentially perform on the platform. Yep. so we'll run through, we'll take like a video. Yep. that we put on YouTube, we'll run it through the platform. We'll pull out like 10 quotes and we'll schedule them out over the next like,
1: five days. Understood. And how'd you find it?
6: Um, it was, Do you remember. I think we post we posted something on LinkedIn. Do
1: you know the story? We do, yeah. What was it? You posted
4: the thing on LinkedIn that said, Oh, I wish there was an AI tool that would create 30 or 40 posts
1: out of long term content. And I was like, Hey, awesome. Thank, so many you. Sure. Yeah. awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I'm sure. Awesome. Thank you. Um and we actually I, engineered I, some of those shout outs too. I'm sure sh- we got <laughs> our, <laughs> <laughs> all of our favorite customers. I think I think I think that I think that I think you just roll with that. I think you roll I think you make that part of the sales pitch. If nothing, first of all. Can you say it again yeah. Again? Yeah. Hey, super excited you're checking us out. So look, based on the way you look like you're going to do it, I think you're you're, you're going to be 300 bucks a month. Just FYI, we have a creative services overlay which does the post production that is actually the variable of success. Our tool gets you to third and a half base but the human creative variable from third and a half base to home plate is so much more significant. Now, this may sound weird. Even though you're only paying $250 a month, our service for our creatives and our strategists and our copywriters is $1,000 a month in addition. We're thrilled to have you at $250 and we think there's nothing that competes for $250 in the market. However, just on the record, whether you do it and we don't do it for $1,000 or you pay us to do it for $1,000, at 1250. dollars intuitively I feel like you're getting $2,500 worth of value versus, uh, excuse me, at $1,000 you're getting $2,500 worth of value or excuse me, at $1,250, I had it right the first time. You're getting $2,500 of value at $250, we think you're getting $350 worth of value. So if you can afford it, you can imagine how that amortizes. Or you still pay us $250 but you better fucking hire somebody and pay them $40,000 a year to post-produce everything because you can't imagine the delta. Here's three fucking versions of me doing it by hand that's the pitch Is
4: this all recorded? yep <laughs> awesome. that's the pitch that's super money thank you so much.
1: you got it it will work here's why 25% will hire you for it and you'll start building a vayner media on top of it it won't be as efficient as a SaaS business but it'll bring up your you know roi and like they'll be it'll, it's gonna work better it's gonna help your ltv right, exactly. 20% 20% are gonna do it internally in a way they wouldn't have done it if you sold it differently They'll do it right. Yeah, yeah. Which is 40% more than you have now.
0: Okay. Uh, and again, back to the specific industry, it's still very like uh, high touch of a lot of yes. visits and meeting and handshakes. And um, like how can we break into it and layer in more digital content to alleviate some of our sales reps from having to have so many face-to-face people? I,
1: I think that, I unless you get people to communicate via text or, or screen times or things, you won't eliminate it. I think what content will do is make your funnel much bigger.
0: Okay, we do all of our support via text and we have it on 24 seven. So it's awesome. So we're, we're the ones responding to any inquiry. That's so so far now,
1: far. You're, now you're talking more about the DNA of the sales team. Yeah. It goes back to the construction guys. Okay, It's getting them to push for more you know, scalable communication. Some of them are most naturally comfortable in face to face. There's many salespeople who subconsciously, subconsciously think going to meetings is what they're, yeah. is justifying their being.
0: Yeah. I mean that a lot of times it's their KPIs, right? It's like how many meetings and phone calls they
1: have. So adjusting those to be aligned. With yeah, it's so funny. A lot of my, my biggest clients are like, Gary, you know, you know my team, I, I get it, but my team doesn't. You believe in this and I'm like change the KPIs if you believe in it and you're the CEO Sally make the bonuses predicated on your marketing people spend 25% on Facebook I have a funny feeling if their personal bonus is tied to a requirement of spending 25% of the money on Facebook like it's unbelievable watching leaders push the envelope on their employees to your point which was, I'm glad you picked up on so quickly change the KPIs it's so fun to like companies that bonus. We don't really do that here, but like, you have full control. Can make people do whatever the fuck you want. You guys don't do
4: bonuses
1: here. We have a couple of different things in place for like the heads of the offices and some of the Vayner. I think the Sasha group is taking a different approach with James because he comes from that ecosystem. I'm letting him do that with these guys. So like, we're starting to have some, but like, I've always bonuses scare me as a macro because I, I'm worried about a disconnect. I'm worried about you know, Nick and I, him being on an arbitrary bonus strike. I mean, some things are black and white, but even that scares me because if you're, if you're doing it just completely on a financial KPI, people's behaviors become so erratic and often don't map to the culture or the gray or the long term that I'm trying to build. So it's inherently against it. And then the only other way to do it for me is subjective. But then you're, then he's walking in thinking he should get 22K in bonus and I'm thinking 13. And that's fine because that's not a super big a part, But literally, I just had somebody, and this is a raise cycle, they're walking in, they think they deserve a $100,000 raise and I think they deserve a $5,000 raise and that's real. That literally just happened. And I'm like, that's gonna be tricky. I'm like, yeah, I'll get back to you. fucking <laughs> like, You know, like uh, I don't know where I'm, you know, literally walked out. I'm like, oh, I got a lot of thinking to do. What's gonna happen here? So, you know,
4: <laughs> I get it. But it's also seemed to be working, which is, you know, so I had, of course, tons of investors who are like, what the hell, don't well, you have a bonus system in yourself. And I'm like,
1: I mean, these Yeah, I mean, I I mean investors back. are Excel sheet, Goldman Sachs, you know, business school yeah. junkies. They just think it's right. And it actually leads to incredibly bad human behavior. Competitive, and if you, yeah. competitive is, it just leads to <laughs> people have to live and they have factored in the max of their bonus. First of all, people don't know how to save money. Like, If you have an employee who literally has an arbitrary bonus between 15 and 50,000, she's living with the 50,000 in mind. Then it comes and you give her 26 because you had a bad year or she was just okay, she's like, fuck. She's like, I have, my credit card bill is not getting paid off. Like, It's just crazy. People don't factor real into theory. I, I always go here when I get in this mindset I always implore people to read Marxism and communism on paper. It sounds remarkable. Every person at VaynerMedia would love it. It's extremely socially liberal. It just isn't inherently human. Some things are better on paper. And business became one-to-one dimensional. And finally I see some of the tide turning, starting to have EQ and gray conversations. But in the rise of finance and startup, it was run by an old boys club of, you know, Harvard Business School told me this, see ya. Okay. Just not my thing.
0: On the investor side, yeah. if we do some specific marketing to investors. Smart. Um, I was gonna ask if you thought that was a viable strategy? or just It like is the marketing. strategy. Okay.
1: I, th- I couldn't be more bullish on that for somebody who's raising capital. Always be putting out content to raise capital so that when you have to raise capital, you're on third base, not fucking the dugout couldn't be super bullish on it. We actually took our um, investors'
4: emails and right through Facebook and did pay guys. Yeah.
1: I actually think the other thing you guys could be doing is already marketing for the exit. Oh yeah,
4: especially.
1: Like, yeah. here's why, yeah. <laughs> here's why, Me on
4: the beach. you know,
1: yeah. like just, you you're, it's never the wrong time to take somebody grossly overpaying. Like I, I've always said to everybody, this is never for sale and if it's for sale, quit. But inherently, there's always a 1% chance in my head. I'm like, well, if Disney realizes this creative machine and they offer me $3 billion tomorrow, it's a wrap. Because it's just too much. It's just not, there's nothing I can, like, you know, I would trick Disney into thinking nobody's gonna quit. Then every, A lot of people would probably quit because I've been telling them to quit. But I'd fucking figure it out because it's too big of a number and it's just, the million dollar man's right. Everybody's got a price. So like, marketing now for the exit is also a good idea. I, don't, I can't imagine that. Um, having a good understanding of who might want to buy you mm-hmm. and then making content about you in a way that lends them to start putting seeds to why they should buy you. Okay. Uh, running an article, writing, running a piece of creative that is titled why food service companies should own all their internal tech, right. and then subconsciously, like it's humans are funny. They're real funny. Like the C, you know the CFO of a board all of a sudden goes, we should run a, We should have our own internal tech. Who do we use? Quick, let's buy them. <laughs> That's what happens.
3: Yeah, it's true. So, and uh, one of. Building in New Jersey, I'm redeveloping and I am um, putting Cosy in there as a food services. Uh, the construction's supposed to be done in the beginning of 2019. They're going to move in, you know, February of oh, excuse me, 2020. And how do you, how would you go about marketing? Like I want, basically, the building's half full, so I have about 70,000 square feet of leasing to do.
1: Central Jersey. Yeah. And, you're, and are you trying to think about the notion of how do you market to the other businesses using CoSy as like a gateway drug to them considering it?
3: Well, I just kind of wanted to get the word out there because there's no food services in the area, meaning there's no downtown. People in the building bring their lunches actually into the office and I had some janky grab and go you know, vending machines that I took out of there
1: and now, you think it's a value prop I and do. might be and might be the reason somebody considers to move Exactly. look I, I would pound and I mean pound the 20 mile radius of your company or this location on LinkedIn I would pound the living shit out of it but one more time because I want to give you good advice you st- and actually you already, now I remember what you answered you still believe it's basically a localized transfer. This is not somebody going from Trenton to here. It's not Bergen County to there. It's not Ohio to there. It is within that radius. Is what your intuition is. Yeah. I would probably run two cohorts of ads about the project on LinkedIn against business owners within a 15 mile radius and then a separate one, business owners in New Jersey, to get the same thing that his family cookie business found out by having e-comm, which is like, wait a minute, there's random demand in Denver. I think just running the ads might give you some insight, and and then please.
6: What was
1: the second line? All of Jersey. Oh. And again, you've got Nick and others here, Maribel. Like they'll help you kind of like tie some of these ribbons up that I'm putting down. Like what did he mean by that, or how do I actually do that? We can or on a follow-up call. Like we want to bring value, but that's what I would do. LinkedIn ads are expensive because there's a floor. It starts at two dollars CPMS instead of five cents like Facebook or ten cents like. But but it's very high quality. And organic without paid will work. But when you post the hey, this is one of the hey the premier central Jersey you know office space is here now with you know if even made, if you made it a commercial if you post that organic on your if you made a page for that building or even on your organic LinkedIn that could meet, that could hit somebody in Florida. The reason you pay for the ads is you get to get narrow. I want you to do broad content because it's just always a good idea. It could lead to a million different things. It could, let me give you an example. It could lead to a third generation family that doesn't have a succession plan in a real estate empire saying this kid seems smart and he comes from a pedigree of multi-generational developers. I'm gonna reach out to him and see if he wants to operate my business since I have nobody to give it to. Like it could lead to that. Do Do you see where I'm going? That's why content done right always is a good idea. It leads to things you're not even thinking about. You saying something thoughtful in a video that was built to get people in Dallas area to work with you may lead to somebody in Oregon reaching out to you and saying, don't do that. We thought that was brilliant. Why don't you become the backend infrastructure for us? And you're like, I did that, I don't wanna do that. And they're like, but we'll do this. And you're like, well, that makes it financially worth my time. Like, like Like, what I like about the content is it creates you to be open to things you might have not even thought of. That's the brilliance of a volume creative model. The reason I'm smart and have all these insights is because I've created a content machine that led to me listening. It looks like I'm talking, it led to me listening. Right? That's crazy. It is crazy. It's a good one. I made sure Dustin caught it. You know? (laughs) All the talking has led to a level of listening that gives me such profound consumer insights. I
4: have another question. Go. So, um, Nick was telling us a little bit last night. How about you guys stopped your strategy of wasting time on annoying customers? RFPs thing? over uh, inbound. Yeah, which I like. Of course, I love firing annoying customers. But you know, we're still trying to figure out our funnel
1: and. Course. I'm still young enough that every
4: customer counts uh, almost when like
1: no, no, right.
4: letting them go because like, I actually abandoned people to 123, but anyways. So, you know, there's a lot of theories about how many calls, many touches or emails, whatever it is, social touches that it takes to get a customer, right? It's 12, 14, like so if I have these leads and they're they're qualified, they're pre-qualified, like taking that metaphor into consideration, like really how much time do I want my people trying to reach somebody or trying to convince somebody, oh, we know that if we get you a demo, I have a 50% chance of closing you, like closing you all the way. Like 18%, sorry, I have an 18% chance of actually closing you as a sale and 50% of closing you into a trial. So demo is good. I want to get you on the phone and say like, hey man, look at my thing. But right now I know that it it can take like 12 reaches out to get that person.
1: Because you're a sales organization right now, not a marketing one, which is okay. It's the story of 99.9% of SaaS products. Yeah. It's just not where I think the white side piece is. That you
4: say that because when we market it, it actually happens pretty instantaneously.
1: But it's the sales
4: that doesn't. So you're 100% right. I'm aware. So what do I do, oh, wait, so, sorry. So and a good example is on your thing where I commented, um, every single person who commented back has had a demo this week. Makes sense, but at the same time, I have all these leads that we got from other places, like in my sales team, and I have names and email addresses and phone numbers. What do I do with those people? Do I just all socially hunt them? I guess that's what I should do. Answer
1: my question. Yep. And what you want to do is create one anchor piece of creative that is your show Mm -hmm. that becomes the catch-all top to everything. If everybody here leaves with a podcast and that is really where I'm going more than the vlog, uh, than I've won, because I really think it will work. (laughs) You know, not everybody's gonna be good at it, but when you do very narrow podcasts, you only need a very small group of people listening. This is not about making the Ask Gary V show. You, You get seven people to listen, and two become customers, for a lot of you, it's going to be ROI positive. Especially when you're at a mature level and have sales teams, it becomes wildly positive. Well,
6: same with doing an interview on a smaller podcast that might have like 300 views. That's 300 people who
1: not like... I mean, it's all I did. We had that. We had a really famous piece of... Well, famous. We had a piece of content we, that I like. Let me rephrase. There was a piece of content we made that I liked that just showed all the... It was just all these highlights of me being on different podcasts and YouTube shows, and it showed how many views the video had. 107. 92. Showing to people like lower, lower. Everyone's trying to get on Joe Rogan's podcast. He doesn't want you. You know, like like you need you need you've got a long way to go before you get there. Let's get on the ones that you can and more importantly, let's host the one you're far more likely to host and get somebody way above your skis than you are to get on somebody's show that's bigger than you.
0: We're getting a lot of requests of like local entrepreneurship in Arizona. It's like just starting to bubble grow. Um and, which is great from a thought leadership perspective, but it isn't like towards our industry. Do you, that's still valuable to- Especially build. if
1: you film it and then post it and target against your- We'll do that now, yeah. <laughs> I, I do more podcasts now than I used to because I'm filming it and it's giving me content.
5: So even for us podcasts-
1: Being on them is great too if you record it, even if you're in your- off, Like I literally record, that's what will record me on a speakerphone doing a podcast- Everything's about content. What about discounts as content
2: though? Like trying to drive and it with
1: like 10% 15%. It's, it's sometimes a good short-term sales mechanism and always a brand, a brand detriment.
3: How do you uh, deal with bad publicity? What's the first thing you do?
1: Address it publicly truthfully, including if I was wrong. It's the only move. There is no other move.
3: There's no way low.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah, there is, there is. Actually, that's absolutely, absolutely true. Going into hibernation and waiting for the news cycle to end is an option, but unlike 1949, or 2000 for that matter, it lives on the internet in perpetuity, and more importantly, here, here's the key of making a mistake. Even if you're like on the scummy side of a mistake, America will reward you for the I'm sorry, and then you can just move forward. Like, you're such a young kid without knowing anything of why you're asking that question. Without knowing anything. Just going all, like, this is crazy. I said this the other day to somebody. I believe that saying I'm sorry is so revered in our society that sometimes, this is not a joke, I think about making a, doing something on purpose that's bad to just say I'm sorry. Because I think net-net it would be better.
4: It's true. I, I trained all of my customer service team, just is two people. To always say, I'm sorry, no matter what happens. The first thing that comes out of every email in their mouth. Yeah. I'm so sorry you had this tough experience.
1: Yeah. Or whatever. And then to that point of like going from smart tactic to deep intent is everything. You know, like there was something, somebody made a mistake here, very senior, with another employee who's not here anymore, got a little ugly. Person said they were sorry in a nice way. And I was like, okay, and now, in a month, I want you to do something that makes them really know you're sorry. So I want you to watch everything they're about and whether it's for their daughter or for them or donation to a charity or giving 1,000 bucks to a GoFundMe of their friend's house that burned down, now show them. It really, look, for somebody who's so good at scale, pizzazz, sizzle, all this, it's about the stake. It's about the long-term, it's about the truth, it really works. So to answer your question, especially if you're going through it somewhat, laying low is cool, because it allows you not to confront, and you get away with some short-term ROI, but it's always there. Saying you're sorry and taking a little bit more of a beating lets you go fast for the next 80 years.
3: But say you had like zero culpability, you know, and
1: whatever This will help you, culpability has like the ability to cope with it, The judgment? Yes. yes,
3: Something happened, and like say, you know, you're getting blamed for someone else doing something.
1: Then you address that truth. Even if you don't want to call that person out by name, if it's the truth and it's not the excuse you came up with for convenience for yourself, Mm -hmm. which many people do in that same scenario, if it's 100% the truth, then you come out and you reply in video form where there's no confusion in written form and you post that truth. If it's 70% true, and 30% is the convenient of how one wants to not take on accountability, you need to come out with the energy of 70 and 30.
3: Yeah, great.
1: It's, it's really, and then, if it's completely, I thought you were going to a different place, I was hoping you were, but so I'll say it anyway, because it's super interesting to me, I've been thinking a lot about this, practice of losing and saying you're sorry is an incredibly powerful game. We are in such a judgment society right now, a complete lack of interest of accountability and a complete interest in blaming others that the people that practice, I'm sorry, and accepting their losses are going to become monstrous. Okay. Go ahead, sneak it in.
6: Uh, well, no, it's all good. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so I'm Work on this brand that you can only purchase clothing, you can only purchase it in New York, but I'm trying to target people who are traveling to New York.
1: But you can only physically buy it here? Physically buy it here. I think the number one tactic is community management on Twitter searching 500 different key terms that are indicators that they're gonna be here yeah. because once they're here, it's hard. Exactly. You need to win them the day before.
6: Exactly. So, okay.
1: Got it? Yeah. Quote, unquote, like literally 500 terms on search locked in going to New York trip to New York. Cool. My vacation, vacation you, you know?
6: Awesome, thank you, Kairos, and some of you, man.
1: That's really nice. Thank you, brother. Thank you.
6: You can target people who actually got you so a You're on, welcome. Thanks, Facebook guys. And Facebook ads. Amazing. And then you I'll can
1: I'll see you guys later. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. Maybe not for that dollar. Yes. Yes. Three quick questions for you. Where am I going?